welcome to Avenge This, a show where if we can't predict the twist, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. Hey, listeners, it's been a few months. How you doing? It's you, been more than a few us? months. Well, it's just, I'm just being kind. When did She-Hulk come out? Was that was that summer? It, I believe so. We missed doing Thor 4 and uh, Wakanda Black Forever. Wakanda 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 I've told yeah. you forever. three times. We did Thor 4. No, we didn't we do didn't. Wakanda Forever. No, we didn't. We didn't do Wakanda Forever due to everyone having COVID. And Thor 4, I forget about as a we movie. We did largely. all have COVID when that movie came out. Yeah. 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 Well, listeners, we've missed you. And if you are new to this podcast feed, welcome to our show. Uh, here we talk about comic book movies and shows. And when we do that, we hit the highlights, we talk about major plot beats, we throw in a small little dash of Easter eggs, and we top it all off with some wild speculation of what comes next. Now, today is no exception because we find ourselves having adventured successfully through the quantum realm and fended off the weird and specific sexual advances of Krylar. (laughs) That is all to say, this is your spoiler warning for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. If you have not seen the movie and you don't want it ruined for you, feel free to hitch a ride on a genetically and technologically enhanced giant ant. Michael Douglas will show you the way. He's just over there directing traffic. (laughs) Now, joining me today in this full coliseum located in a pocket universe outside of space and time is Matt, time displaced Fantastic Four with flimsy plot devices, Cole, Kyle, in Sabanur and his near limitless mutant powers in a flying pyramid harper and andrew avatars of Kanshu from across a dozen different timelines including kang's prehistoric lover henderson accepted <laughs> uh, if you're not following along those are all groups of people that have defeated kang at different times in his in his story oh which we can talk more about those later. Interesting. Yeah. Apocalypse was a good guy once. Well, enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, yeah. I do want to hit this for a hot second, though. Obviously, we're going to talk about Kang today. Um, the time displaced Fantastic Four is the first time that I think we meet Kang. Sure. He is in his like his like Pharaoh getup, and the Fantastic Four get transported back in time, and it's a whole ordeal where. The thing is no longer the thing, and Kang wants to marry Sue Storm because of course, gross. <laughs> and also, Kang is Reed Richards' father. It's no, so it's not. It's not Reed Richards' father. It is. He is that's what the no, co- that's what the he's an says. ants. He no, your wiki is wrong. Yeah. He is he is a he is a descendant of Reed Richards from the 30th century. Well, why does the Marvel wiki say that he is his father? Well, Marvel wiki is making up rules as it goes, or it's a different timeline. Timey-wimey nonsense. Technically, he's kind of both. It's like future. It's like that episode of Futurama mm. where Fry's it's his Matt's, own grandpa. It's Matt's turn yes. to talk and tell me why I'm right. No, Andrew, I have terrible news. Todd's right. Todd is correct. Damn Thank it. you. Yeah. Thank you. I say more about how I'm right. Well, Why does I mean, this say in the Marvel wiki, he met and married Evelyn and together they lived in Central City, California. They had a son, Reed, who, like his father before him, was a child prod- prodigy of special aptitudes for mathematics, physics, and mechanics. Yes. So, okay. Nathaniel Richards, the uh, the original one who becomes Kang, mm-hmm. is a descendant of Reed Richards from the 31st century. He also then has a son, named reed richards past the 31st century that reed richards goes on to become mr fantastic reed richards however time is a circle 
So Kang this is, is stupid. still this sucks. <laughs> the descendant of this, the original Reed Richards. The the original Kang is a descendant. I hate this preview of this our timey wimey discussion. Yeah. Oh my god, I later. hate this. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah, and the avatars of Kanshu from across the different timelines. That's actually the coolest story because Kang is collecting powerful artifacts to you know take over the timeline as he does, and Kanshu is like Mark Spector. I need you. I need you because I give you moon powers and I protect travelers. You have to go back in time to stop Kang. And Mark Spector is like, but why do I have to do it? And he's like, go get in the hole. <laughs> Cause I said, <laughs> and he sends them to all these weird parts of the timeline, like revolutionary war moon Knight, and world war two moon Knight, and future moon Knight. And the last one is like the prehistoric the first avatar of Kanchu, which is, I guess, a, a, an ancestor of Ramona Renslayer hmm. that gets trapped outside of time and is why Kang can never have Ramona Renslayer. It's a whole thing. Anyway, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Conquerors, I've summoned you here today to answer a question that needs our full attention. Hey, guys, what do you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? I'll go first. I really had a good time. I think that the critics beforehand may have lowered my expectations a little bit and that might have made me have a better time because I went in with my expectations a little low. I am somebody who's been wanting answers and information about how the MCU's like timeline logic works and there was a lot of that for me and so as that kind of MCU fan I really enjoyed it and I also think that this movie did a good job of being fun and being weird and quantum and it wasn't some like let's try to do a straight ahead superhero movie but we're in the quantum realm it was you know kind of weird and they leaned into that and kyle and i have talked about this a lot already today but i think the mcu movies are at their best when they commit to a bit and i really enjoyed the bit that ant-man and the wasp quantumania committed to um, I'll follow up and say I also enjoyed it, not because of the answers on timey-wimey stuff, but because it was a cool comic book movie that, like, knew what it wanted to be start to finish, and it started and finished being what it was, and it was, like Matt said, it was a fun time, I enjoyed Hank Pym being ant-pilled, and, like, um, Corey <laughs> Stahl really, like, Came in to have fun as Modoc and like it right. was a good it was a good Man, time. Everyone save for Evangeline Lily was having a great time. <laughs> right? hundred yeah. percent. <laughs> she was there to finish off her check. She's uh -huh. like, all right. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was it was great. I I enjoyed it. It uh it was the best Star Wars movie I've seen in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I same as these things. I I think that I had a couple complaints, but they were fairly minor and I my opinion aligns pretty close with what Matt said. The the critics bashed this like hard they did. going in and I was like, "Holy shit, like this is going to suck." And the critiques they had given were, well, it's a big drum roll up to like Kang is coming, which, OK, obviously it's the first right. movie of phase yeah. five. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I get that. And, you know, the other thing, the other critique that I had seen was the first two Ant-Man movies were fun heist movies. This one wasn't a fun heist movie. And I would argue you're wrong and your opinion's bad. It was still kind of a fun heist movie at the still end kind of the of a fun heist It was movie. a little heisty. Yeah, sure was. Well, hey, dang. Oh, dang. It. <laughs> 
you know, it looks like we found ourselves, all of us together, in a probability field. And the only way to get out is if we all work together, well, you all work together with your near limitless versions of yourselves to give us a 60 second recap of Quantumania, each of you taking 20 second segments, ready and starting with Matt, go. So Scott is doing life in San Francisco and he's like, everything's cool and fine, except his daughter is a rebel and she got arrested. And so he goes and picks up his daughter and she's like, you don't know anything about me, dad. I've been working with grandpa Hank and we're going to go to the quantum realm. And then bazinga, everybody goes to the quantum realm. Switch to Kyle. Um, And in the quantum realm, they run into all kinds of cool quantum people, including like a resistance force against someone known as the Conqueror. And then they meet the Conqueror, who is Kang, um, who is scary and awesome and cool. Um, He traps Scott and Cassie and blackmails Scott into... um, Okay, Andrew. And then it's revealed that uh, Janet Van Dyne is basically the reason why Kang got his powers. Janet Van Dyne allowed him to fix his ship well enough to get his suit. Uh, Kang got his Kang powers and then found Janet and is the big bad behind the whole whole time. And then the resistance came and tried to blow up his thing. And then also uh, Corey Stoll from Ant-Man 1 was there and he got a JPEG head. And there was a bunch of fighting and explosions and Ant-Man got really big. And then they blew up a bunch of towers and Kang got stuck in the quantum realm. Probably? Just going to stop you there. I think that was pretty good. I think that was pretty good. That was was pretty okay. I think we landed that plane. Yeah. Yeah. I think we we, we were a good 15 to 20 seconds late to the destination. It may have been a water landing, but everyone was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Sully approves. I'm not acknowledging that I joke. Think actually, uh, no, I thought it was a pretty good joke, and I was going to wait. Hey, nobody came to this Ant-Man podcast expecting a Sully Sullenberger joke. So. <laughs> right. No one ever does. I thought there was going to be more behind that. Okay, uh, Sully Sullenberger uh, is the Spanish Inquisition of comedy. That's all I've got. You know what a good pilot would have done? Not hit the birds. <laughs> get, get dunked on Sully. So so we've got some major plot points that we want to hit here today um, and a, a couple like kind of prompted questions that I think cover the the topics of the movie and kind of where we've been. And, and I want to start a bit more general. So uh, let me start all of this by saying that we will talk about timelines, time travel, the multiverse and all of that before we are done here today. But put that to the side. Put that to the side. We are not ready to do that yet. Matt is vibrating. Our time is soon, friends. Our time comes soon. Let's start big for a second. So Quantumania was the conclusion of the Ant-Man trilogy. My open question for this is just what have been your thoughts on the story arc surrounding Scott Lang so far here, whether through movies, through where he's been a supporting character. I just kind of want to hear your highs and your lows of our favorite heisty boy. Yeah, I rewatched Ant-Man's one and two, the Ants-Men one and two Mm -hmm. uh, before this movie and was reminded at how good those movies are. They're really enjoyable. I think the the first one is maybe a little bit better than the second, but uh, neither here nor there. From watching those movies, I really had this feeling of like, it's kind of wild that this fun Ant-Man movie with Paul Rudd has turned into our big introduction to our next Avengers level threat. You know, it's really interesting the way that both Paul Rudd as an actor in the MCU, but also Scott Lang as a character in the MCU have 
grown and and matured you know it it was always a little weird to me that like hey we're doing civil war by the way ant-man's here we got (laughs) him he's in our van and it was just kind of like they stuck ant-man here and there and then he had such a huge i mean he technically it was a rat but i guess you could say that (laughs) in avengers endgame ant-man like saves the day it's just kind of weird that paul rudd scott lang is is the guy but boy howdy is he's he just a man he's just, he's just a, a man. man he's just he's just a man just with an, an electrical man. engineering degree and like a heart of some gold fighting yeah a heart of gold and, and some fighting style training yeah, and a background in soft crime like that's that's our boy scott lang and i've really enjoyed it i think the mcu has has a lot of really big crazy powerful characters who have the powers of gods and suns and stones and and it's just kind of fun that scott lank is big is small i like that Uh, that's cool this has been a good like he's similar and i think that's probably like where this all started too was like we don't know if we're gonna get the rights to spider-man so here's ant-man but he's got this nice balance between we like, have Spider-Man at home. We have Sp- <laughs> <laughs> but he has this nice like his powers straddle the line between like almost street level and almost cosmic at the same time because of yeah. the quantum realm now. So he like splits that that fork in a nice way and they've used it well in every appearance of him. I think it's been used well. I will say I he has a like way more consistent through line than I kind of remember too. I don't remember mm-hmm. a ton about Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Ant-Man 2, because to me that movie was a little forgettable, a little more forgettable, but he's got this like main character trait or flaw or whatever it is, is that he's like a an unserious person. Like he's very like, he's long for the ride. He's just happy to be like hanging out with, with Iron Man and Captain America, and then he's got to step up and like save the day, and that has come through in like I think all three of the movies pretty well. Like he starts this one out, he's like he's a celebrity, like he's doing the like media circuit, and Cassie comes at him out of jail. He's like hard. I'm doing more yeah. than you, Dad. Like yeah. yeah, you know he steps up again in this movie, and like I think it's really I I like his little arc. Like it's not super highs or lows like mm-hmm. a, a tony stark or a captain america but like he's been consistent throughout and i think that's pretty great i agree with you kyle his his consistent through line has always been him him being a dad yeah right yeah you know especially in like in eight men one he needed to be he was like i need to be there like a dad for a, a six-year-old right and like i'm not a fuck up like i'm you know so he yeah. was like he was like uh, Bruce Willis in a 90s movie, you know, <laughs> the one where he turns into a snowman. Oh, that's Michael Keaton. Excuse that's me. Michael Ke- I'm that so is sorry. Michael Keaton. But you, you get my point. Uh, yes. And then I don't know if Cassie was a major element in Ant-Man 2 now that I think of it, because she I was, too do not she remember was not. Ant-Man 2. She, she, covers, she covers for him while he's off doing heists. I think you could make a, a parallel there with like um, uh, Morpheus's connection to Ghost Yes. And was kind of father daughter like. Yeah. It was like, if I don't, right. you know, like I would want to be with my daughter. This Morpheus from the Matrix series movies should be with his daughter. 
um, or his surrogate daughter. Like yes. that, that, that I can, yeah. I can make that connection. And then obviously with this one, but like in this one, he needs to learn how to be a dad to an adult. Like he needs mm-hmm. to recognize mm-hmm. like he's, he's making the flip from like, Oh, okay. So it's not just like, I need to be a dad, but like, I also need to like, I need to set a, an actual example as a hero. Like I have responsibilities not to just like to keep this person alive and to be a buddy with to this person, but like to set a good example and to like make sure that she's doing the right thing and and like I'm doing the right thing as as part of that. So yeah, I I do I I like that in his character, and you know thematically like it's just fun, man. Like it just it's just fun and silly and like hey, don't you know you don't have to take any of these like that seriously, which is which is nice. Mm-hmm. Brevity is always I'm always going to give brevity points, mm-hmm. you know, which is why I didn't love the Eternals because it was so just like oh god, this is we've... so important, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't realize until I looked it up that all three were direct had the same director too, which um, feels uncommon for these. Feels uncommon right? for these. Uh, Peyton Reed, director Ooh. of the of uh, Bring It On, and the three other Ooh. the two other Ant Man movies <laughs> are the, his top four credits on IMDb. Incredible. Uh, Peyton Reed is also, I believe, writing uh, Kang Dynasty. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Which is which is one of the reasons why the internet was trying to get real mad because <laughs> the early reviews of this, and again. I'm glad that I went in with lower expectations. I think I enjoyed the movie probably a lot more than I would have. Yeah. But the internet so early was like, this movie is bad. And Kang Dynasty is also going to be bad because this movie's bad and it's the same writer. And I, I disagree. I would go so far to suggest that I just think the world is sick of Marvel movies. Like, the, right. I, I think like it splits into two factions. You've got people, the our side who are like, I want to ingest every minute mm-hmm. of this stuff. And then mm-hmm. everybody else, like if you were a casual observer and maybe right. you saw like a couple Captain America movies, all of the Avengers movies and none of the other ones, you are probably like, Oh my God, I don't want to hear. I don't this. care anymore. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I'm over it. And I think that's the majority of critics too, are probably just over it. And I, and I think that's fair. You know, like I, I think that's fair. If you, only kind of pop in to watch these movies as they appeal to you. You know, it's it's pretty well known that Disney Plus is going to start throttling out some of their content a bit more because even us four that love this shit yeah. got to the point that we're like, this is too much. You're giving us too much. We can't yeah. we, stop. Stop. I can't breathe. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the accurate. first things Bobby Iggs said when he came back was like, we're going to we're going to do less better. We're going for quality over quantity with our mm-hmm. big franchises. So they might be letting up off the gas pedal a little bit as far as like release dates go. Which I think is I think is fine. I mean, we just they just announced this might be new to everyone here. They just announced they delayed the Marvels. Yes. Um, is going to be closer to the end of the year. Yes. And they still haven't given concrete release dates for the any of the shows this year either. Anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. I I agree with everything you all said. I think Andrew, you had hit the the through line has been Scott is a dad and he's trying to be a better dad. And the thing that stuck with me is there is a quote I believe in the first movie when Michael Douglas is trying to get Scott Lang to like step up. He's like, do something to earn that look in your daughter's eye. Yeah, yeah. That's like a line from the first movie, and that's what's like in the the ending throes of this this movie where he basically like kept kang from getting out i was like yeah 
hell yeah, Scott Lang. That was cool. Like, I, and and, yeah. and even the when he stepped up in Civil War, him and Clint, you know, the two dads rolled in. And when everything was said and done with, they both the dads went on house arrest. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. And we're like, hey, we just we just want out. We just want to like, be just, dads. Mm-hmm. Just let us go be dads. And I, I and one more thing, and then we'll move on to the next one is that Kyle, you had said you kind of forget a bit about Ant-Man 2. A reminder for everyone, Ant-Man 2 and the Marvels were two of the movies that came out, or sorry, Captain Marvel, were two of the movies that came out between Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. That were set up as like bottle movies. Yeah. Because they were specifically either movies that could not be happening during the blip, such as Captain Marvel set back in time, or they had to end with the blip. Yes. which was the whole thing with mm-hmm. with Ant-Man 2. I will I want to th- throw out one more thing before we move on from this sure. bit is like I haven't sat down and like blocked it out, but this compared to the other MCU trilogies, it feels like more happened in between each release than the others say compared yeah. to your Iron Man, Captain America and Thor like more stuff came out in between each entry of Ant-Man making the like pretty consistent through line through all of them all the much more impressive in my opinion like the ant stuff that the ant stuff like paid off in this movie again right yeah blew me away which might be like overselling it a bit but i was just like you you got the ants to matter a third time and right. like and i'm not mad about it I I was impressed. Like I was very surprised that the ants paid off again. And I think you I'm glad you pointed that out because the the reality is that we are now at a point where trilogies are going to be spread out over like 10 years. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know, there was a number of years, like five years between the first Doctor Strange and the second Doctor Strange. Yeah. And like the world has changed drastically between them and the next one. So I think that this is probably the high water mark of like how did you keep the characters, you know, major arc yeah. true to the character? Yeah. Um, because I mean, even Thor, Thor drastically changed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was a needed change, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. One more thing before you move on, Todd. Sorry to mm-hmm. drag this point out even longer. You're good. I think a lot of the quality of the Ant-Man movies is driven by the ensemble of the cast, right? Like true. I think that. Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas really carry a lot of this movie, not like in a bad way that nobody else was carrying it, but like they did a great job, you know, and like Kang was an excellent villain. Corey Stoll in the first one was an excellent villain. Ghost was an interesting villain, if not like the most entertaining character, you know, like the interaction between Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas is really good. The interaction between Michelle Pfeiffer and Evangeline Lilly is Okay, you know, (laughs) there's just a lot of power from, oh, I don't just have to watch like Chris Evans do a whole movie with a bunch of red shirts around Chris Evans. Uh, And I I prefer that to the, you know, individual superhero movie in a lot of ways. I'm surprised in each in all three of these movies that Michael Michael Douglas like knows exactly what this move these movies are. Right. He does not phone it in he's not given like gordon gecko level performances either but he's (laughs) right he he came to he came to play like he had a he came to have a good time and like and love ants and like 
good for him. <laughs> I think that it was either you or Andrew said it in in our Discord that this is the best Michael Douglas has been. Like, oh yeah, Michael Michael Douglas's third act entrance with the ants <laughs> was like the the line incredible. He's like he's like, hey, I brought the ants or whatever he said. <laughs> like, is and, that you? And Paul Rudd goes, oh, that was you. <laughs> like just in. Incredible. Okay, I want to move on. I want to move on. All right. So we have to talk about Jonathan Majors Kang. Jonathan <laughs> Kang's Major. It's his his origin that we've gotten now in a couple different forms of media. And I, I will also say concerningly, maybe this is where we tap on the speculation glass just a little bit here. So I want to just kind of like open it up to to you guys to talk about, you know, what you think about it so far, how we've gotten it. Um don't go too deep down the wormhole and and for discussion purposes uh the kang that we had featured in this movie we'll call him the that is i put in the notes excited you did um yeah that is not the excited thinking about his thinking about his kang majors exiled exiled i was thinking have you seen jonathan majors arms Dude, dude. I mean, he didn't need time power. (laughs) (laughs) this is the exiled kang that we have today so so I don't know. What did you think about what we've gotten with all this like Kang buildup and seemingly him potentially dying in this movie? Yeah, I think that Marvel so far has done a really good job setting up an interesting Avengers level threat that I was very nervous for them to try and conquer in the movies. You know, like huh, Kang, yeah, <laughs> thanks, welcome. Uh, Kang is a big villain and he's got some crazy time powers throughout the comics and he's been a lot of different people and it does feel like i one of the breakdowns that i watched about this movie said ant-man and the wasp quantumania is the 31st movie in the mcu and (laughs) yeah that that number hit my ear in a particular way of like wow We're at a point now where I think what comic audiences are willing to accept and what they'll look at and say that's garbage is pretty narrow. And I was very nervous for the MCU to try and fly the plane through that narrow gap to like, hey, this is Kang the Conqueror and he's got crazy time travel powers. Also, there's a zillion of him throughout time and you can never kill him. That spooked me, and I thought that they did a great job in this movie introducing one Kang and his impact in the world. It was a little irritating to me throughout the whole first act that they were like, he's coming. It's here. Yeah, I didn't, didn't yeah. care coming. for that. It was, it was strange, but I feel like they did a good job of being like, here is one guy. You may not know that this guy exists a zillion other times. But he exists here right now, and he's an asshole, and he's a big problem. And then as they slowly revealed more and more how intertwined through time he is and how much power he really has, I I feel like they built a good pedestal for Kang the Conqueror to stand on through the next 10 years of the MCU. Also, it goes without saying, Jonathan Majors fucking crushed the assignment yeah mm-hmm. the thought he has put into kang the conqueror at right. like as a character at least his version of kang the conqueror is so amazing and refreshing to see like 
I feel like he really has thought about like at least 10 different Kangs he could play, mm-hmm. right. you know, like, yeah, it's awesome. Now, now having seen him in the the finale of Loki compare this, right? Like, I think that's a great point, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Like he has developed personalities and quirks and like really nuances for both of these variants. And I think we can expect yes. to see more of that too. And they're all unhinged in, in, a similar but also right. different way, which is which is really cool. Well, they all have the they all have the knowledge that like they are Kang. Yes. Like they individual and that makes mm-hmm. them the best. Yes. And the other I guess the third thing that they've all done, the two, they all, the two of them, have been and I'm the only thing stopping the worst yeah. stuff that's coming. Yeah. Yep. And like I loved that in the He Who Remains, and I loved mm-hmm. that in this one too. That is such a powerful thing when, like, they're cornered by the hero and, like, hey, hey, hey you may not like me, but you're gonna like yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. holding back a lot less. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna get way worse if you do, like, which, you know, obviously we dealt with with Loki yeah. and Sylvie. And then Paul <laughs> right at the end of this one where he does his inner monologue, yeah. he's like, like, everything's fine, but he, he said more things are coming, there could be worse things out there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure that's fine. That's that's probably not a big deal. <laughs> there is something narratively really cool about the only thing that I'm afraid of is me. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. Is, this is very good. I'm bad, and a worse version is out there. Yeah, I wanted to come back to what Matt said about like all the like he's coming yeah. in the first act, like getting on my nerves because Jonathan Majors Kang didn't need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was so like menacing. Just that first like pre-credits like stinger they did, that cold open they did, and then like mm-hmm. all his subsequent appearances, he's menacing without doing yeah. anything in that role. Yeah. Like they we they didn't yeah. need to build that hype outside of that. The scene with Scott and Cassie in the cells when they like when they're taking and there's oh, yeah. that, yes. that that like warm undertone. That is that is everything that you need to know about this person, you know, like that that, abs- yep, that yes. effectively mm-hmm. set up the scene. I think it was Todd that was in reference to Scott Lang. He's just a man. What I think I like most about Kang as a concept is he too is just a man, right? Yeah, like, just a yeah. man. There yeah. is nothing inherently special or unique about Kang as a person. The only reason that Kang has gotten so far is because he traveled back in time with futuristic weapons, right? Like it's not, he is just a dude. And what I find so fascinating as a foil between him and Thanos, for example, Thanos is this like kind of demigod, you know, um, like despot who rules over the, the universe, right? Who's like, who's taken over civilizations, whatever. But like Thanos has inherent, you know, he's super strong. He's got like, He's got deviant blood or whatever the MCU version of that is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whereas like Kang is a cockroach. You step on, yeah. you step on one, yeah. three more show up. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm, well, I'm hoping that I assume that they will. But like when you said like, well, I guess Kang's dead. It's like, yeah, Kang is dead. And it took that much to kill him once. But also they're now where there are mm-hmm. an infinite number of them. And that is why he is a threat. And I, I'm really excited at like the pinnacle or the 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 
yeah, the the climax of Kang Wars is like they're just killing Kangs left and right, but like they can't kill enough because there are an infinite right. number of Kangs. I was I was gonna say I am looking forward to like when the story gets to the point where when Jonathan Majors shows up, we don't know what Kang we've got. Yeah. This mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Like, um, and I hope as that escalates, they more and more kind of shroud that in the pre in the like build up to the movie so we don't know like are we getting quiet killer kang are we getting absolutely unhinged kang like mm-hmm. i i love that aspect of this premise as well yeah i think the the movie was set up in a really cool way with the scene of scott lang going into the quantum core where he duplicates a bajillion times in yeah. you know the 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 probability field or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we got that scene of like here is an infinite amount of Scott Langs and we get to see our hero be suffocated and overwhelmed by this infinite amount of himself. And I think that parallels really well with the fact that at the end of the movie, we see an infinite amount of the big bad of this movie. So yeah. we got that imagery of like, here is Scott Lang in a thousand Scott Langs. Now imagine being drowned, drowned, being drowned, drowning. Imagine drowning <laughs> in an ocean of infinite Kangs, which is the direction that we're heading. That leads me to one quick question. And somebody would be willing to explain was the reason that that whole probability scene happened was because they were inside of the multiversal engine? Is that yes. is that what that was? Okay, that's how I would read it. Okay, I yeah. think that I think that if you try and find more logic behind that than what you've got right there, yeah. then you're gonna the well will run dry. Yeah, yeah. I think it was it was a wild. So like like Matt had said, the the comparison of the thousands of Scots and the thousands of Kangs, and I think Kyle, you'd pointed this out in the Discord that. Um, the comparison of like ants making a tower. Yes, that that visual awesome was was very good. Yes, and had this been a Phase Four movie, they would like someone would have like pointed to it and be like, "He's <laughs> doing what ants do," and and would have ruined it. But they didn't do that, and the movie now was he's better. Really, for it. the Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at those man ants. Yeah, the the like multiversal engine is just like the new version of it's the arc reactor it's or the infinity stones. Like it's gonna do what the plot needs right. it to do until it does it doesn't do what the plot needs it to do. Like that's it's our new it's our new thing. The only thing that I'll add that you all maybe didn't hit was so like we said, this is the second variant of Kang we've seen. We've seen He Who Remains, and we've now seen this exiled Kang. And then obviously in the end credit scenes, we see a Coliseum full of Kangs and Immortus and um, Rama Tut. And then a third Kang that some people are saying it's Scarlet Centurion. Well, he's not really red. I would venture to say it's actually like the Kang from the Kang storyline where they show you how Kang finds his younger self and the younger self is like, fuck you, old man. So I think it's probably more like a technological Kang like that. Anyway, what I am excited for is that we're going to see Kangs just like dropped into story. So whether that's Victor Timely that we got in a teaser at the end, which we can talk about later, or 
knowing that Secret Wars is coming and the Secret Wars is a whole thing put on um, by the Beyonder. No one gives a fuck who the Beyonder is, but <laughs> the Beyonder could be the Beyonder could be a Kang variant. And like that would be a fun way to like if they're going to remove Kang from the equation eventually, that would be the Kang to do so. I saw a theory that they're going to do like hidden Kangs in phase five through <laughs> whatever until the, the story ends. Sure. Where like there will be yeah. a Jonathan Majors will be in the background of of a right. scene in every movie. It'll be treated the way that the production team on uh, Far From Home. So like Mysterious yes. production team is all through the movie. Yes. But yeah. Until you know to look for them, you don't find them because they're not ever pointed out. Yes. Yeah. There'll be Easter Kangs. Uh. <laughs> all right i am contractually obligated to ask this next question and i'm gonna put like a time limit on it i think i promised that we would talk about time the quantum realm time travel timelines the multiverse and whatever other MacGuffin bullshit you want to throw into that sentence so here we are marvel has spent a lot of time in the back half of phase three and throughout phase four, building up these concepts, specifically time travel in the multiverse. Here is the designated parking space where I have roped off cones where we can talk about time travel and how all that works. And I would also add in this follow up question and you could tackle this one. Maybe this is your actual answer. Does it even matter? Does any of it matter to talk about those details? We have been going Matt, Kyle, Andrew. I want to flip that order and go <laughs> Andrew, Kyle, Matt, which I believe is the order of those interested in this topic. Yep. Uh, my answer is it does not matter. Please stop asking. I cede my time to Matt. <laughs> you should have ceded it to Kyle. You made a mistake. I also largely fall in the category of like, it does not matter. Time travel. Time tra travel does not make sense unless you do a movie specifically about how mm -hmm. time travel can make sense like um that one the one movie the that future? they did time travel yeah what yeah the, the no there's there was one movie where like the whole the whole premise was like we are going to mathematically make sure time travel works in this movie and that's, that's i refuse the... to believe that that exists and, <laughs> oh i think that was hot tub time machine yeah yeah <laughs> it was not hot unless tub it's time hot machine. unless it's it hot tub, tub time, time machine, machine where it's specifically like spells yeah, you have out to be in the hot tub yeah i feel about this like i feel about the legend of zelda timeline <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i largely agree with andrew like thank you Kyle. they're gonna use time travel as a, another like slap it over the holes in the plot call it time travel and and if you don't think about it too hard you'll be happy if you think about it too hard you'll be mad about it time travel should not make sense it is a we wanted to do this thing how are we gonna do it time travel i cede my time to matt matt if you take more than five minutes i'm gonna play we're gonna air horn no we're gonna do we're gonna like cut out the emmys music we're gonna is cut gonna out the playing. middle and do like a fast forward sound and then, <laughs> and then have him finish and and his whole rant can be behind a paywall where did that lead you back to <laughs> me shut up matt uh okay so uh, listener you may be wondering why it seems like everybody's stepping on eggshells around me today it's because <laughs> 
uh, Thursday night when we got home. Because Matt wrote a thesis statement on time travel <laughs> after watching this movie. That's uh, true. When I got home from Quantumania and, and sat on my couch for a little while and saw the cosmic truth, I drafted a, a, a wall of text that I sent to my good friend Todd because Todd's the other yeah. friend I have who cares about this kind of stuff. And I said, Todd, I'm going to send you a wall of text. He's like, that's fine. I might not respond to it tonight. And then Todd didn't respond to it ever. (laughs) It's been five days. (laughs) Until today when he put it in the Discord for the other guys to read. Um, Okay, here's my thing. And here's what I'll say. And I promise that I will not go on some 20-minute diatribe about time travel logic. I've been asking the question since like WandaVision and Loki of what is bigger universes or timelines because i don't think those two things are the same thing and i think about that far more than i would care to admit (laughs) and this movie along with a whole bunch of other stuff that uh, you know maybe i'll actually write about it and put it on the website this time like i said i would the last time we talked about this this whole movie answered some questions for me and has given me what I think is a structure of how a general structure of how like universes and timelines and space and the quantum realm and all this shit works in a what I consider to be relatively like simplified way that doesn't have a lot of like, you know, well, this is an Easter egg to this comic. And in this comic, they explain time travel is none of that. It's not that at all. This is just genuinely how I think it works. And to answer your last question first, I think it'll only matter a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously we're going to do time travel for like the next two phases. And for a property or for a, a production as big as the whole MCU, if you're going to do multiple time travel stories, you have to establish some sort of rules. They don't need to make sense and they don't need to be like super strict, but like you got to at least things got to at least play a little bit by the same logic as we learned in Endgame where they break their own rules in that same movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? The old cap wasn't real. Uh anyway, they pushed the time through Scott, not Scott <laughs> through time. <laughs> I think that I have figured it out and at least I figured out a way for me and my tiny human non Kevin Feige brain to understand it. And I would like to explain it to you guys and see if you can understand it from me explaining it. Cause clearly my wall of text wasn't appreciated. You nerds. So it was appreciated (laughs) much like a gift too grandiose to fathom. It was intimidating. (laughs) You you also co-host a podcast with co-hosts who also suffer from ADHD and a wall of Texas, <laughs> our collective Achilles heel. In, I know, in it's true. In my defense, I said, you may not get a response to this tonight. <laughs> it was the first thing I saw the next day when I got up to go to work and I was like, oh, nope, <laughs> too, too early for that. I stand by my, I am 30 or 40 years old and I do not need this. <laughs> okay. So, here's here's what I figured out. I call it the Big Mac theory. Now, I'm out. God, I'm going to tell you awesome. why I thank you. 
I'm going to tell you why I call it the Big Mac Theory. Because it's Bun Burger, Bun Burger, Bun? Because it's based off my high school yes. mascot. Yes, Todd. Yeah. No, Andrew. <laughs> yes, Todd. Because the Double Big Mac. Double pickle, special sauce, extra cheese. The, the Big Mac goes Bun Burger, Bun Burger, Bun. And that, I believe, is the perfect model of the Marvel multiverses where you have buns as universes <laughs> and you have burgers as space and time. You with me so far? Keep going. K- keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Land, land this water landing. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Captain Sully. So in this movie, we see Kang get exiled to the quantum realm through some multiversal bullshit. At least that's what we come to expect at the end of the movie. Kang's whole thing is traveling through the multiverse. Now, way back at the beginning of the Loki finale, we get this really cool intro that there's a bunch of words and they're like flying out through space and they fly out of one black hole it's the finale of Men in Black, but it's the beginning of of the Loki finale. Yeah, yeah, right. We go from one universe to the other universe, which kind of, I think, shows that you can get to another universe flying out through space far enough. You know, space is infinite, so to speak. But in theory, you can go straight long enough through space to fly out of one universe and into another universe. Now, I come to believe that you can do pretty much the same thing through the quantum realm because that's pretty much what we see with Kang in this movie. He comes to the quantum realm from one universe. Janet comes to the quantum realm from another universe. They describe the quantum realm as a whole universe beneath ours, but at no point in the quantum realm do we you know, hear that like, oh, the quantum realm is Earth 123, or we don't see Mm -hmm. variants of all the people we see in other universes. I think the quantum realm is not a universe, but a realm. And realms are weird things we've gotten a bunch of, because you have like the quantum realm, you have the ancestral plane, you've got the Juat, you've got the Nord dimension from Miss Marvel, you got a bunch of realms. And all of those realms seem to in some way be outside of space or time. They seem to be different than a universe. They explicitly say that the quantum realm is outside of space and time. Do you think the the nine realms referenced in the in Thor and Asgard are the same? Are these like are those small R realms or those are are those the same? Because like Midgar it Midgard is a realm. I think those are more Worlds, worlds than anything i would yeah because that, yeah. worlds yeah. connected by like yeah the the whatever the bifrost, that is bifrost. Is. Yeah, yeah they're called they're yeah. just called realms because of norse mythology but yeah, yeah. i think well we're, i mean i think yeah, we're all they, on the same they, page there okay keep going yeah because yeah. like literally a spaceship leaves mm-hmm. valhalla or the thor's world and then like yeah spaceships itself to earth so we've all seen the guardians of the galaxy movies right and we've seen the mcu go We've all seen zombie movies. We've all seen zombie (laughs) movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We know that the MCU goes to like other planets. There are other planets in space. In our universe, there are universes, like universe astrologically, 
you know, outside of like the Milky Way galaxy. We know there are other galaxies, other shit out there in space. But think of a place like Sakaar from Ragnarok, right? Where it's a place people end up where they're lost. It might be a planet. It might not be a planet. The only way to get in or out is to go through the the giant butthole or whatever the they devil's call it. anus. The devil's, devil's anus. anus. That's it. Yeah. yeah, to go through the devil's anus, and it seems like you have to go through some sort of portal to get out of it. So I think what that tells to me is that in space there are certainly planets, and like you know, there's Xandar and there's Lamentis and other examples. Doesn't matter. Bormir. Yeah, it's just nouns. What's another planet? So there are planets, but there are also, I think, realms that can be accessed through space, like Sakar. You know, if you consider Sakar to be a realm, things that are not quite planets, not quite their own universes, they're kind of outside of space in their own way. They said in Thor Ragnarok, time works differently here in Sakar. We got that with Scar and whatever, you know. Okay, there's the primer. Right. In space, you can travel to planets and you can travel to realms. Primer, by the way, is the time travel movie I was trying to think of earlier that actually like <laughs> like makes sure it's time travel works. Um, Incredible. Back to you, Matt. So in space, you can go to planets. You can go to realms. If you fly far enough through space, you can go out of your black hole into another black hole and get to a universe. Cool. And do that, that with about sense? seven holes. Yes, with about seven holes. Okay. Now nah, he's he's right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's space. Now consider the quantum realm, right? We know Kang traveled through the quantum realm from one multiverse to another multiverse. We also know that the Avengers went back in time during Endgame, but that was never at any point described it as another universe. It was described as another reality, but not another universe. It's just time. So I think each universe has its own time. And the same way that you can travel through space, I think you can travel through time within a universe through the quantum realm. Because I think the quantum realm is is like outer space, but of time. It's outer time that you can travel through to get from one time to the other. Okay? All right. And we know mm -hmm. that in the quantum realm, there are places like Quantumania. There is whatever society the ants built. There are these <laughs> places that are planets, quote unquote, in the quantum realm, societies but they aren't their own universes. It's not like we go to Quantumania and meet Quantumania Scott or, you know, Earth 345 or whatever. It's a different planet and it is a realm. I think that, you know, we see them at the end of the movie when Kang is going to exit the quantum realm. He wants to go through a giant yellow portal that looks a lot like the devil's anus. So my large proposition here, again... Consider a Big Mac, right? If you have a universe, is the bun right in the middle. Above that bun is outer space, that patty. Below that bun 
is outer time, the quantum realm, but still another patty, so to speak. You may have cheese or condiments on either patty, those being other planets. However, if you go far enough past that patty, you hit another universe. So all universes have their own time. They're separated by time and space. And I think time and space is shared amongst all universes. So, you know, in theory, you could fly out of your black hole into any other black hole. All the black holes aren't necessarily linear. And I think that when there are incursions, there are moments where there are intersections in either space or time that causes the timelines to mix up where the burgers go. And that's the Big Mac theory, everybody. That's how I think time travel works in the MCU. How's that? Here's what I'll say. So I think that's that's well thought out. And I think that I give you the 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 A on the paper and put it on the fridge. Thank you. Or putting together science <laughs> that will explain what Marvel's trying to do. I find myself about three steps back closer to Andrew and Kyle. Someone has written on a whiteboard somewhere your Big Mac theory Mm -hmm. in Disney headquarters. And they've said this is how it works. Because, like, it was reported that at one point there was a meeting of, like, multiverse discussion. Yes. At Disney HQ, where they were like, we got to lay some rules here because it's going to get wild if we don't. So I'm sure there are, like the iRobot three points of programming for what they can and cannot do. (laughs) But I also think that there's no way that they spend an immense amount of time trying to explain all of that unless it is a lore dump we get from Reed Richards. Yeah. Unless Reed Richards comes up and is like, you're all idiots. This is how it works. All right, let's move on. And then Scott Lang goes like a Big Mac. And Matt Matt cheers in his seat. And I shit my pants and vomit at the same time. (laughs) Matt, I think the thing I will take away from your big Mac, your big Mac theory, I do like the the quantum realm is outer time. I like that idea. I appreciate the thought you put into it and I will never like I will never be like you're dumb for thinking about this so much (laughs) but at the end of the day it's it's gonna be whatever Kevin Feige needs it to be but I do like the like Mm -hmm. outer time and I do like the idea that like in space there are also weird time pockets and then like so in the quantum realm there might be weird space pockets I think that's all great Good job, Matt. (laughs) The two things that stick with me most about this is like the explanation we got from the Ancient One in Endgame and the exposition dump we get throughout Loki. You know, how variants are developed when something changes, when something happened that wasn't supposed to, a different thing takes place, whatever. And that shows the branching timeline. And the same thing happens with the Ancient One where she's like, if you remove an Infinity Stone... The whole thing goes goes sideways. sideways. Yeah. Yeah. Until you put it right back where you found it in that moment. Because I don't think it necessarily mattered that it was an infinity stone. I think it mattered that like you did a thing. A thing was you removed. did a thing, yeah. a major thing in this example. 
and that spiraled it sideways. And so I think those are like the two things that I'm hanging on to as far as rules of creating alternate realities. And I will not be able to develop an actual opinion on how alternate realities work until we get the remaining Avengers from eight from Earth 838 that show up to Earth 616 to fight our Avengers. When we get like the Iron Man and whatever Steve Rogers is doing in Earth 838 from Multiverse of Madness, who is like, hey, you fucking came here and murdered the Illuminati. You're bad people. We are now going to fight you. And that's how we get Robert Downey Jr. back onto the big screen. Anyway, uh, Matt, question. How yes. do OK, so I like your theory. I think I'm genuinely following it. But the one thing that I keep coming back to is what is the anchor point? Because there has to be a hierarchy, right? Like, I like the idea that what the, is the middle bun? What, what is, is the middle? That, bun? Is that well? The, is that the watcher? No, I think the watcher which, would be the anchor which, point. What? Here's no the watch. The fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw right, more nouns at him. He's doing it. The McDonald's in which the Big Mac lives is that McDonald's time or space? Because what I'm my question being, if quantum realm represents time like outer outer time and space that represents like a physical place right in that by that theory kang can either be coming from the same universe in the same on a different timeline or a different universe on this in the same timeline right so he can either travel d- travel universes or travel time not both i think he can travel both unless there's a hierarchy so i think that the answer to your base question of like what is the constant mm-hmm. is what i consider these like realms right mm-hmm. things like the astral plane things like you know wherever the tva is eh, maybe maybe a little less that one but like you know there was the end of time where he who remains was the mm-hmm. void the nor dimension I think those are places that are removed from both space and time. And okay. my understanding of those things is there, there is not an astral plane for every universe. Every universe is connected to the astral plane. Oh, okay. So now it's I like think- a bunch of middle schools that feed into one high school. It is a bunch of middle schools. <laughs> middle schools high school. High school, yeah. I, I think it's that really like good. the astral plane is infinite big, so it's not like you necessarily see other ancestors from other universes, but I think these realms that exist outside of space and time are the constant. And yes, I think that Kang could traverse from one multiverse to another multiverse and then I think also has the technology to then go back in time in that new universe and fuck with shit. Okay. And I think I think that is proven based upon the end credit scene. I would venture to say that wherever Immortus is ga- gathering the Council of Kangs is in a pocket dimension. Yeah. Like not in, you know, not on his earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a thing that he has created, and to get there, all those other kings have to be able to travel. The there. Council of Reeds was a similar like pocket right. dimension. I will be so heartbroken if we don't like those parallels have to exist at some point. Yes, like obviously 
we're going to get Fantastic Four. But I, I really do hope at one point we get Reed Richards seeing the Council of Kangs and he's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I bet that will be the genesis of the Council of Reeds. Um, my last thought on this is um, I hope that if this explanation, whether it matches Matt's or not, comes in the movie, in a movie, I hope it comes late enough in a movie that I need to go pee. And <laughs> can then ask after the after the fact, I can ask Matt how close or far off he was and get the the Matt metaphor version. If it's not explained in the same way that they explained time travel to Scott Lang and he was like, oh, Back to the Future was horseshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. If it's not that same energy, I'm not interested. Let me hit you with one more timey wimey thing before we move on. Cool. Re Kang the Conqueror. So we got an interview from Kevin Feige, I think when he was talking about the Spider-Man movie, where he basically said, because of what Loki and Sylvie did at the end of Loki, the multiverse is open now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So because Kang operates outside of time and he who remains operates outside of time, that makes the chronology of everything weird. But I was reading some other stuff and watching some videos and my understanding is that the Loki series happened and he who remains had been pruning every timeline to make sure that no other Kangs arose. Well, as soon as he who remains died way back at the beginning where Kang was supposed to show up, he could suddenly show up because there, you know, because um, he who remains wasn't there to stop him. I say that because Kang crashed in the quantum realm and was exiled by the dynasty of Kangs in like 1987, I think is when Janet Van Dyne goes in there. So like, you know, the nineties. And that means that like, instead of there always being he who remains, there has always been a bunch of Kangs. And so I kind of think that where we saw the Kang dynasty in the post credit scene is the citadel at the end of time because he who remains wasn't there all the other kings have taken that that they're they're king of the hill at the center of time where they can look out their window and see the multiverse and all of its branches as opposed to he who remains in his nice flat circle yeah i think that i can't i can't wrap my brain around that too much or it starts to collapse on itself but I think that the 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 thing that I kept thinking about was they've talked about how time works differently in the quantum realm. You know, Scott was there for five hours. It was five years, you know, of an Earth. I think that it has intentionally been done the way that it has been done with Sylvie and Loki fighting. He remains in a pocket dimension, the quantum realm being a pocket dimension of sorts. The wherever the Council of Kangs are being a pocket dimension of sorts. I think those are intentionally done in these spaces without time because any of those things can influence the other things. The gods realm from Moon Thor Knight. Four. Oh, it's and another, Moon Knight. Yeah. And Thor, 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 mm-hmm. Thor 4 and Moon Knight are both pocket dimensions. I'm guessing these pocket dimensions will come into play in Secret Wars. We're going to... Yeah, they'll, they're they're going to be, be they're going to be sure. Super Smash Bros battlefields when Secret Wars breaks out. I think out. there will be something will be said for what was happening when. Yes. 
I want to stop talking about this. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember when you got really mad at me about talking about Kingdom Hearts that one time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all. That was totally worse than this, right? Darren crosses Hank Hill, but the number of holes in Scott Lang's body and why the quantum realm? Why is it so horny? All of these questions and our wild fan theories when we return from this break. How was that for ending that conversation? How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. All right, and we are back. I promised that we'd talk about uh, Modoc's Hank Hill butt, <laughs> and so I have put the prompts in our discussion here that just says leaving this space open to talk about Modoc, his reveal, connection to Darren Cross, etc. I I want to say one thing before we started. I don't typically complain when trailers ruin things, and I can say now that I'm on the other side, I wish this would have been a better kept secret. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The the trailer that showed the stretched face of Corey Stoll in the background was just enough to give away Modoc. You know, obviously that Darren Cross is Modoc. And I loved I thought it was a lot of fun. Modoc's a very silly enemy, and I think that this is a great use of him. And my only complaint because it was very, very funny, everything he did. My only complaint was that we knew it was coming. And it would have been an awesome reveal. It would have been yeah. Red Skull yeah. on Vormir levels uh-huh. of Yes. Oh my god. The two best parts when Cassie says, Don't be a dick. Like <laughs> the, the fact that, that they said dick in a Disney Marvel movie three times in like 90 seconds in is incredible. Succession, yeah. mm-hmm. And the fact that when he's dying, he goes, At least I died an Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's yeah. like, uh, yeah. yeah, whatever. Or he did his like limp hand thing on Scott's face. <laughs> he's like, I always thought of you like a brother. And he's like, Re- Really? <laughs> All right, that is my that's my Modoc dump. If you guys want to want to dump your Modocs, I loved Corey Stoll like right. hamming it up into a fisheye lens. Like that, what a! <laughs> it was so tough to look at, but it awesome was at the same tough time. to look at. But it was such a like, I was I was initially disappointed by the Modoc reveal in the trailer as well because mm-hmm. in that context, it did not look good. Right. But seeing Corey Stahl just kind of come in and be and like ham it up and commit to being Darren Cross as Modoc again was very enjoyable. Like, I think that is just enough Modoc for the MCU. Modoc is is just enough Modoc for the MCU. He's a a weird character and it's hard to put on film. and, And that was just enough of him. Like I said, it's one of those things that like ties it back to the first movie in a very cool way. So I'm glad they did it. It was a lot of fun. Speaking of him ham- hamming it up, there's the one point where Scott's in the probability chamber or whatever. And he's like, 
He's like, Darren, what am I looking for? Darren. <laughs> Moda. Yeah. 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 yeah go. Answers yeah. right away. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to repeat everything that you guys have said. I think that Modoc was really fun in this movie. And to me, it felt like somebody made a bet with Kevin Feige one day or, or whoever it was. And I was like, I bet you $500. I you bet can't you can't put, pull off Modoc. Can't you put, you can't pull off Modoc. And it does, it gives me a little bit of like, you know, a, a little bit of hopium, I guess, on like, well, they pulled Modoc off. They can do pretty much whatever they want at this point. Yeah. Right. Maybe we get an Arnim Zola in a, in a, you know, Krang style yeah. <laughs> yeah. outfit. God. Yeah. A thousand percent. I enjoyed it. I think Corey still ate it up. Good, good times all around. I have nothing to add. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was, I mean, like, there's no reason. It was cool. It was a cool one off bit. They needed a a villain, an actual villain, a henchman, yeah. Yeah, 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 just somebody to somebody to to get to get ice at the end. Yeah. Um. Are we were we so are we were we to suspect that Modok is who what pulled what yoinked them into the Tron computer? That's what it sounded. That's like. what he said. That is what yeah. he cool. said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that was the biggest. Like, talk about things that they just blew past and were like, "Don't worry about <laughs> it." They got sucked in the quantum realm. Shut up. You know, though, I right. want to talk about that and the difference between like this and a lot of the Phase Four movies that did similarly weird plot lines, but like over-explained them. And like to me, that is the big thing that killed Phase Four for me was just the like need to like make sure the audience was on board with the weird stuff where like this was just like they got sucked in the quantum realm <laughs> you don't like it go watch you another go, movie go the door. blow some eggs <laughs> there are yeah. 30 more other of these motherfuckers out there where like multiverse of madness spent like every new stop in the multiverse to be like we traveled through the multiverse again and this is how we did it this time it's like I don't care, man. We got it. You're in a new weird place. Keep going. Like of the critique. So like we can do this right here of the. So phase four ended with Wakanda forever started with Black Widow um, just as like a reminder of how long ago that was. When I look at all the movies and the shows that have come out, because phase four is also the first time that we've had shows. There were definitely hits. There were definitely misses. And I am not keen to critique the misses that missed due largely in part to covid and scheduling sure i think that we all look back on uh falcon and the winter soldier and we're like that was not great that was unfortunate (laughs) yeah and but i think it had some i think the actual through line of the getting uh dollar store captain america was a really cool plot like, I really enjoyed that. I liked what they did with that. I thought that was great. Obviously, the stumbles of that were you can't tell a story about a worldwide vaccine when a vaccine is necessary to save <laughs> lives right now. Yeah. Uh-oh. And so I, I think that there are there are things like that that, you know, you can hand wave away. And then you have movies like Thor 4, which I wanted to love so much, but has Heimdall's disembodied son's floating head in a in imagery that is poorly done to talk to thor about plot that we just yeah. met this kid a second ago yeah. yeah like 
I think you're right, Kyle. I think that the places where the Marvel Universe has struggled the most lately is when they go above and beyond to try and over explain a thing and how you got there. And if you want to do that in Avengers movie, listen, the people that are going to see Avengers movies are likely they did the homework. Or they didn't do the homework and understand that. Right. And like they're gonna they're yeah, gonna they tune care. out they're gonna yeah. tune out your five minute explanation of right. what's going on anyway. Right. And so I think that I this probably goes back to what we said to start with. Marvel is at its best when it leans into some of that camp. Yes. And yeah. so like the fact not that the original Doctor Strange movie was like an amazing movie. I thought it was fine. But even that, you were eight minutes into the movie and then the car crash happened. Yeah. Like they didn't fuck around. We're 15 minutes in and and magic is happening. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And so I think that I think that Marvel needs to take notes and say, like, unless you can write just an incredible movie like Shang-Chi, which was just amazing in everything that it was, just get to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, we bought the ticket. We put our stupid asses in the seat, suck them into the quantum realm, show me a goopy man yelling about the number of holes that, that Scott Lang <laughs> that has. Paul Rudd has. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just get to going. So since we're doing this here, let me say I made the comparison in our Discord that phase four of the MCU is the equivalent the equivalent to the Star Wars prequels. There's a lot of good ideas in there hampered by a lot of poor execution we will use a lot of the stuff that phase four set up 100 mcu will use a lot of the stuff phase four set up no doubt because there is a lot of like rock solid foundation there it's what they built on top of that foundation that missed the mark a lot of times thor 4 is the easy one to come back to because that was a hot mess of a movie and i made the prediction with matt that i'm guessing phase four probably restructured what it was trying to do more than twice throughout the Mm. run of those throughout the release of those properties one definitely was covid we understand that but i think a couple times they tried to react to what people were complaining about and then missed the mark in that reaction where if they would have just kind of picked something and stayed the course throughout, maybe adjusting for COVID, obviously we would have gotten a more coherent and less, less just, it just felt phase four felt like a everything new. You were going to watch the next one and delayed resolution till the next one. So it just kept kicking the can down the line because it was like, you're going to watch the next one, right? Yeah, you're going to watch the next one, right? And like, this didn't do that, in my opinion. It very much was like, either here's a quick explanation for it, here's no explanation for it, or we're moving on. And like, it was great. Everything was fun and moved. And I never felt like I was sitting through a a weird lecture. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that phase four was marred by Marvel trying to cast a wide net, I think is is Mm -hmm. one of my biggest takes, you know, like that was the big question for a lot of people after Endgame was like, all right, we've done 23 of these movies. How are you going to do movie 24 and not isolate people who haven't seen one through 23? And I think they tried really hard to do that. And I think they had 
uh, some success here and some success there. But overall, I think the MCU as a whole suffered for that. And I don't want that to come off as me being like gatekeeper or, or gross or anything. I think it's more just like at this point, Andrew said at the beginning, the world is tired of Marvel. If you like Marvel shit, you're going to go see the new Marvel movie. And if you don't like Marvel shit, you're not going to go see the new Marvel yep. movie. And chances are, you know that about yourself. So, like, I don't know that the MCU needs to break back to try and get new people in seats. You know, the reality is that we are so past the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and yes. the original the original Iron Man and the X-Men who couldn't say that they were mutants and Tony St- Iron Man who couldn't say he was a superhero. We are just past that. And that is not life anymore and that's not how movies are anymore yeah yes you have to comic book movies are a genre superhero movies are a genre and if you try to play if you try to both sides it and play like do like a centrist you know that's you get a fox movie right like you yep, get right. you get fan four stick which takes an hour to get to the fact to get to the superpowers because they want to be cool scientists and that's boring mm-hmm. and you can go just watch another movie that is a more compelling plot. I think that that Marvel and, and Disney have done a really good job with their Marvel Legends series. Mm-hmm. Seven to ten total minutes of content before a new movie comes out and you've at least got a, a slight understanding of what's coming. Like yep. you got a good idea. Yeah. And I think the the only other things that we can really expect for for people who aren't on board yet and aren't interested in like doing all the past homework to get caught up is that eventually there will be an X-Men movie. There will be a movie that is X-Men something and people who haven't really been in but understand that title, they're going to be like, hell yeah, I'm in like I'm I'm coming for that. Or there's going to be like a Wolverine movie and that's going to put a special new collection of people in the seats that are like, I've been jonesing for Wolverine. Just like comics, you know, comics have run forever and ever. They will start building more on ramps Mm -hmm. for the casual Marvel fan as opposed to like throwing entire crash courses on what you might have missed into movies they'll just have some of these on ramps where like cool we expect that you we think you got on at x-men so like this is going to be an x-men onward story because if they kept doing the like we're going to catch you up on what you missed every movie yeah we'd get to the point where like half the movie would be catching you up on what you missed and like, right. no one wants to watch that. That's a bad movie. Well, and, and let's, I mean, again, back to like Marvel Legends, even Disney right now on Disney Plus, like, listen, Disney doesn't give a fuck. If you don't, if you're not subscribed to Disney Plus, then like Disney just you're assumes a peasant that you're to them. Yeah like, yeah. You're, like you're nothing to Disney. And, you know, there's a certain couple markets that they're aiming for there. But even if you fire up Disney Plus and go to like the Marvel page, there's whole sections that are like, are you watching it chronologically? Here's what it is, which spoiler, if you're watching it chronologically, the end credits uh, scene of Black Widow is going to be quite jarring for you <laughs> uh, because you don't know that Natasha Romanoff is dead. But like the other thing they do is right before Black Panther came out, they're like movies featuring Black Panther. Yeah. And they yes. give you the Marvel movies. Like Disney has already taken those steps to be like, we realize 
30 pieces of content may not fit into your life to prepare for this moment. This is the best we can get you. Here it is. That and any other Marvel thing out there is also pushing you towards like, this is what is coming this month. Marvel mm-hmm. Snap has yeah. featured, you know, in the months that Wakanda Forever came out and then this current month when Quantumania came out, Black Panther was featured in Marvel Snap that month. And then mm-hmm. Modoc and Ant-Man were featured in Marvel Snap this month. Like, right. um, the Marvel Unlimited, the comic series, will push yep. like, hey, these are some good storylines to read about Kang. Why would you want to yeah. read about Kang? We don't know, but yeah. Yeah. you should probably read about Kang. Just a guess. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's so obvious that they've got these outlets and they're doing what they can. And obviously, like, we're all pretty dialed into this. But if you are not dialed in and you have interest in being dialed in, those avenues are there. Yes. And I, I think Marvel and Disney have gone far enough out of their way to be like, here are as many ways we can help you get there. And if you're still someone who's like, well, I'm not going to watch all those and I'm not going to like that movie because I didn't watch all those. Then I think Disney's great. Just like, don't watch it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, come watch Avatar. Did you watch the first one eight years ago? You want to watch this one? It's weird and horny. Uh, poor Avatar. Get on in. All right. I have one final question. So we always end this with the speculation that we have of what's coming. So it is no secret that the near future of the MCU is Kang. You know, we've already gotten the tease of Loki season two. Is one of the ending credit scenes showed Victor Timely, which is a version of Kang and alias he took as he took over like timely Wisconsin, I think was the city. Hmm. We have fantastic four, uh, which we're going to get casting news from that pretty soon, which is kind of wild. And they are going to be the focus forever. And God only knows what that's going to look like. And we have the title releases of Avengers Kang dynasty and then Avengers secret wars. So Kang dynasty is a little self-explanatory, and Secret Wars is all about universes colliding, and you gotta assume that's gonna have something to do with Kang. So here I am coming to you with my time traveling hat in hand. What is your wild but perhaps succinct speculation over what is coming and how the Council of Kangs are gonna play Puppet Master in it? I got it. I'll go first because I've got mine pretty succinct here uh, because you've already listened to me ramble enough today. So I think that the Council of Kangs that we saw, I believe that is the Kang dynasty, right? And so like through all these movies coming, we're going to see little blips and bloops of Kang. And then in Avengers Kang dynasty, the Avengers will fight and probably defeat all them Kangs. And then I think the exiled Kang who I think is maybe just like Kang the Conqueror, like that is Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I think the exiled Kang who has been trapped in a dream inside a dream or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) once all the dynasty is gone, is going to explode with his newfound multiversal powers. And without the Kang dynasty there, he is going to break the multiverse and cause battle world. And then we'll have a secret wars. And I think that's how we get from a to B to C. I think you're mostly right, Matt, except I think scrolls are going to also be heavily involved in 
Secret Wars. Now, are you thinking Secret Wars or Secret Invasion? I'm thinking... Secret I'm Invasion thinking Secret is the spy invasion. thriller coming out My this year. My nose is bleeding. With... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Those are so close. And it they're does. Not really it super related. sucks. I think... So I, my, my prediction then... I'm going to forget everything I just said because I think Matt's mostly right. Like, that's that's how we're going to get to um, Kang Dynasty. Um, my prediction is Fantastic Four will probably come out of the build-up to Kang Dynasty. X-Men will come out of the build-up to Secret Invasion because the it is a... Invasion is a, or wars? Invasion. Okay. Sp- specifically, like, the... The X-Men are going to be connected to the Skrulls being everywhere. Okay, cool. The explanation may be like Skrulls have been here forever or X X number of years. And the first mutants are like the children of Skrulls hiding as humans is probably the closest, like smoothest way to get X-Men without just like crashing one universe into this universe and being like the x-men are here now (laughs) for the most part the stuff with the scrolls i think is kind of marvel's ace in the hole right now everyone's watching kang and watching the multiverse stuff and i think that is to distract us from the turn of like who is a scrawl and secret invasion the fun thread I went down of speculation was when did Nick Fury get replaced? I'm inclined to believe it was after um, Winter Soldier. The events of Winter Soldier mm. when he gets blown up is when Nick Fury got scrawled. That will be like scrawlception, the scrawl point, which gives us enough time to have the first mutants kind of start coming of age um in the mcu and then you know you can have like wolverine and magneto be older mutants that way by being like and scrolls also you know the occasional scroll stopped by earth in 19th century and then in in pre-war germany or whatever like you could do all that so i think they are using the multiverse to like kind of hide their intentions with the scrolls and the scrolls are going to be how we get mutants and kang dynasty the kang dynasty stuff will be how we get the fantastic four that's my my wide net predictions so we know we have two kings right now we've met at least two kings that we've met we we know that there are more obviously but the characters at least in the universe collectively have met two kings for what it's eventually sorry i don't mean to cut you off For what it's worth, we've heard six Kangs talk. Okay. We've heard six Kangs talk. You you can count. We've met three if you count Victor Timely that Loki saw at the end of the the second credit scene. So it stands the reason. No, you're good. You're good. Thank you. (laughs) So it stands the reason we're probably going to meet at least double that, if not more. Sure. Uh, I think at some point we're probably going to learn more about one of the major civilizations that Kang decimated, um, likely through flashbacks by meeting people that were subjugated from this decimation. Maybe they've becoming lieutenants. Um, we will finally, we will also likely learn to follow along in comic story. Also that one of those Kangs travels back in time to, uh, to basically to like 
pull in a younger version of himself as one of the major operatives. Yep. So I think there stands to reason that we finally learned that there are 13 Kangs and there we there is one Kang that's kind of leading them all. And this Kang is trying to create the Keyblade to open Kingdom Hearts. Ah! Yeah. I knew it. You said like 13 this. and that was some Xehanort yeah. no, shit. That's... <laughs> and he didn't. He dang got norted. Dang got norted. norted. Oh, oh man, I got uh, so close uh, to it without breaking. Uh, the thirteen is what did it, Andrew. Um, Andrew, if we get Norted <laughs> in the build up to Kang, in the build up or follow through of Kang Dynasty, I'm gonna, I don't know, eat your socks, poop on your poop on your front doorstep. <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> here, okay, here here my my speculations that don't necessarily have to double up anything that you all said. Uh, before Andrew tried to nord us, um, you know, which if you don't get that joke, go listen to our five-hour Kingdom Hearts flavor text. We'll get that <laughs> we joke did. by the end of it. Four or years don't. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Or Please maybe don't. just don't. Um, but I think that that serves the reason. The only thing that truly ever beats Kang is Kang. Like, Kang, Kang loves getting in his own way in the sense that Iron Lad, which is young Kang, is the thing that has been like a constant foil. Either that or like, apocalypse yeah like apocalypse gets him like like so i think there's a couple things that we can anticipate to see by the time the kang storyline has come and gone um i think we do get an iron lad which means we're getting young avengers and i think those things could just go well together i'm not so sure we get mutants soon but i think we get little bits of mutants like we have been and i don't know how you get through kang storyline without literally showing him in his Ramatut era with his flying Sphinx spaceship and Apocalypse's flying pyramid spaceship shooting lasers at each other. <laughs> I don't, if you don't give me that scene, Marvel Disney, I'm going to scream at you. That screenshot is going to be what like convinces MCU haters to like never watch yeah you ever again too yeah, it will be i mean so we, it, we don't need to get we don't need to bring martin scorsese back that's <laughs> true yeah we don't need I think him we'll get i think we'll get that um again i read a, a theory online that the beyonder was going to end up being a, a variant of kang and i kind of believe that i think that they're going to give the role of the beyonder the person who mashes all the universes together to kang because such a crucial part of the Secret Wars storyline is Doctor Doom steals the Beyonder's power. Mm. And mm -hmm. I have to imagine we're going to get the beginnings of Doctor Doom hinted in Fantastic Four showing up at some point, but like playing it down the middle and being cool. I don't think he'll be the big bad of Fantastic Four. It feels like they're going to hint Galactus or something. But I think that we see Secret Wars perhaps end with Doctor Doom taking the Beyonder's powers, and that is what ultimately eradicates Kang from the scene. And, like, that's how we end up with Battleworld or whatever, and it shows us, like, Doom shouldn't be fucked with. I think that we'll get a slow walk of mutants. I think that mutants are largely, the X-Men are going to be a thing that keeps people on after Phase 6. Mm. Um, they're going to want, like, a hook to be like, hey, we're doing a new thing. Come here. You want to see... Uh, 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 Scott Summers that isn't shitty. We got him. Impossible. He's right over here. You just gotta come see. <laughs> Do you want to see? Not impossible. I will die defending Scott Summers. No, Scott Summers is my favorite character, but it's impossible that he isn't a wiener. 
<laughs> and I mean, I think there's also like we haven't even talked about like Deadpool is gonna have Hugh. It's gonna have fucking um, Hugh Jackman, Hugh, Wolverine, Hugh Jackman in, in in that. Like, there's just this part of me. Like, there's so much cool shit coming, and I think that Kang is just gonna be this through line throughout of it. And like, then you're gonna have Deadpool hopping universes with Hugh Jackman. Where, boy, what a trip would it be if they introduced the new Wolverine in that movie as well? And it's just like, oh yeah, this is our this is our Wolverine, and Hugh Jackman's like rad. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that we're going to see a lot of weird timey shit and it's going to end up with Fantastic Four being the through line and Kang fighting Kang fighting Kang. And if Kang loses, it's because something bigger and meaner has destroyed him. I will say one thing that like I will kind of miss when all of the um, Marvel properties are put together again is mm. the... Part of the fun of the first three phases, especially, was kind of how they do some of these big, bigger storylines while missing the characters that, like, drove them in the comics. Right. Yeah. And when they have all the characters to do the storylines with, it's gonna just be a little less fun because they won't have to jump through the creative hoops to make it happen anymore, like... Not not a good or bad thing necessarily. It's just a, a, a aspect of the MCU that I feel really made it the MCU and made it unique that will go away. And I will miss that era of the MCU for sure. Not to that is not to say that I am not excited for hopefully a good Fantastic Four movie finally and for mutants to be like for the X Men to be like on the big screen and good again. You know, whatever gives us a big, strong character, maybe it's Colossus, maybe it's Hulk throwing Wolverine and just going through the chest of a Sentinel. If we get the cannonball special again, I'll, I'll yeah. be happy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll end it there because there's nothing else to be said. I think, I think we said all the things. There's no other speculation to be made. So thanks so much for listening into Avenge This. Reminder, this is a show that is brought to you by the nerds at Debate This. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the Avenge This podcast uh, wherever or where you can find recaps of movies and shows from the MCU and also sometimes the DC stuff, but I don't know, probably not. Like, let's just be real with ourselves. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Todd Thomas. I'm Matt, a sentient and socialist colony of ants. Cole. I'm Kyle. Bill Murray's appearance in this movie went nearly unmentioned by this podcast. Harper. <laughs> and I'm Andrew. I was as useful as a wet middle bun in a Big Mac in this conversation. <laughs> Henderson. Uh, and we'll be back in your podcast feed talking about Nick Fury's skulltastic spy thriller soon.